Welcome to Faithbrook Church. As I mentioned earlier, it is so good that we can worship together on site and for those of you joining in online as well. Well, today is Mother's Day, so for all you moms out there, happy Mother's Day. In fact, I wanted to try a little something this morning. I want you to take just a moment here and think of one word. Think of one word to describe your mom and just keep that in the forefront of your mind. Think of one word to describe your mom and what we're going to do in the count of three is we're all going to blurt out that word together as just a way to say a little bit of a adoration and thanks to our mom. So think of that word, hold it for, hold it there. Uh, maybe those of you that are online, you could be thinking of it and get ready to type that out and you can press enter. So at the count of three, and when I tell you to, we're going to blurt out the word. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Oh, that was good. I love that. I love that. I know last service, I think one word I heard for our mom was rock star. I think that's my favorite adjective. Well, for all you moms out there, I hope you uh, heard those words wash over you and uh, take that in for yourself as we celebrate Mother's Day today. Well, if you are a guest with us today, I want to say a special thank you and just a warm welcome for you who have joined in. In fact, if you are here on site, I want to encourage you to reach in the seat back in front of you and grab one of these blue connection cards. If you would just fill this out and at the end of the surface, you can drop it into one of the giving boxes as you leave. Also, you can go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest and fill out a connection card there as well. And for every connection card that we receive, we make a small donation to Cross Food Shelf. And this is just a small way in which we hope to make a big impact in our community. In fact, as of today, we have uh, slated to be donated over $200 to Cross. So thank you for those connection cards. Uh, second, uh, with those cards, I would love the opportunity to follow up with you and just thank you for joining in with us. So I look forward to connecting with you. Well, today we have a great rest of the service lined up. In fact, in just a few moments, we're going to hear a message from our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue our series under the service and under the surface. And after the service, we're gonna, I'm going to encourage you to stick around. In fact, uh, for your moms, we have a little gift for you on the table as you leave. There's some chocolates. Uh, also, you'll want to stop by the photo booth as well. But before we get there, there's one thing I wanted to share with you this morning, if I may. Well, throughout this summer, we're going to have a few different connection events to do just that, connect with one another. I know as a lot of us have plans to go to our cabins, to get away, spend time with our family, but we want to have something special here for our community here that we can have time to be intentional and gather and build relationships. And the first connection event is coming up on May 17th at 6 p.m. happening here called Bikes and Barbecue. And this is just a way we want to kick off this summer. We'll have some yummy barbecue food to eat and then we can ride it off on a bike ride. The bike ride will be for all ages and for little ones, we're also going to have a little bike ride for on campus here for them as well. Now, the best part about all this is all the proceeds that we get are going to go towards raising funds for our youth group so that they can have uh, money to go on extracurricular camps and activities like that. So we're looking to raise money and help them out as they are looking for extra trips. And the best way to get information will be through the Church Center app. If you don't have this app, you're going to want to download it. It's in your app store. It takes just a few moments to set up and you can get going with it. But in there, you'll click on events on the bottom and you'll see the bikes and barbecue. Go ahead and, if you would, and register you and your family so that way we know how much food to have and that way we can plan accordingly. So look forward to seeing you on uh, May 17th and hanging out and going on a bike ride and having tons of fun. Well, without further ado, why don't you go ahead and check out this video.
Well, several years ago, there was a famous newspaper columnist named Irma Bombeck. And Miss Bombeck used to have the most unique way how to dress uh, ticklish subjects with humor and uh, uniqueness. For instance, when it came to family matters or motherhood, she was overheard of saying some quibs and some quotes. For example, she said, my second favorite household chore is ironing. My first is hitting my head on the top bunk bed before leaning over to give my child a kiss goodnight. Maybe you can relate to that. She also questioned who in their infinite wisdom decreed that Little League uniforms be white. It certainly wasn't mothers, right? And then she noted, when mothers talk about the depression of empty nest, they're not mourning the passing of all those wonderful little memories. No, they're upset because they've gone from supervisor of a child's life to a spectator. Oh, isn't that true? And we have mothers watching us today. Welcome. And mothers here today, grandmothers, maybe great-grandmothers. And I want to welcome you today. There's something about uh, being a mother. And, and I would suggest to you that there's a great, this series is probably just right for mothers today. Because a lot of times there are mothers who are, have some pressures and some tensions underneath the surface. Um, actor and um, news reporter Maria Shriver said this about motherhood. The responsibility of rearing good, kind, ethical, responsible human beings is the biggest job anyone can embark on, right? It's a big job. And so underneath the surface, a lot of times, there can be these tensions. How will I do? You know, one of the, the greatest threats is, is when we are first uh, parents, or especially young mothers. They are trying to do everything just right, to just be perfect, and their baby perfect. You know, the first mothers, you'll see they'll do uh, all they can to invest in, like, milling up the freshly organic peas so their little baby doesn't get sick, right? You watch the same mother after the third or fourth child. They're like, hey, we got any of those leftover chicken McNuggets? Let's throw some to the kid, right? I mean, it's a big difference, but that first one, oh, we got to do it just right. And a lot of times, mothers feel like they have to be all things to all people all the time, right? Their, their, their uh, job description is so long, they have to be a loving wife, a great cook, an income provider, a domestic ninja, a child educator, a local psychiatrist, an on-call nurse, creative and crafty artist, volunteer extraordinaire, slim and fit, and of course, always beautiful and perky, right? The life of a mother. Did I mention you also have a, to have a dynamic relationship with God? Throw that in there. No pressures, not at all, right? I was uh, listening to a couple of mothers, Amy Carroll and Sherry Gregory. They host a podcast called Grit and Grace, and they were being interviewed to focus on the family, and they're talking about this pressure of motherhood. And they said, yes, uh, mothers feel a pressure. They said they want to love their people well. I thought that was well said. They want to love their people well, and so their mind's always spinning, right? 
oh man, what's, what, what lunches need to be made and does this have to happen, shopping list and we got to get to work, et cetera. Their, their minds are spinning. At the same time, they said, mothers secretly have their own desires. They also want to do some fun things or their own interest. Before you know it, a mother can feel suffocated with all this expectations. They need to be all things to all people all the time. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Well, maybe you can relate. Uh, maybe the, you're trying to uh, meet the boss's expectation. Maybe uh, you're, you're a parent and you want to be a great dad or a grandparent, right? Expectations. And underneath the surface, we're carrying these tensions. We're carrying these expectations. And we must do them and do them well. Well, there's a story in the Bible that talks about expectations or these performances to do it just right a little bit of, of stress, and it's found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, uh, where uh, Luke is sharing a story about Jesus coming to town and coming into these ladies' homes. Let's take a look at what it says in Luke 10. As Jesus, was, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listing what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So they're just getting to know Jesus, uh, apparently. These, this is Mary and Martha of Bethany, uh, sisters of Lazarus. Um, so here we have Mary, one of the sisters. She just sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. That, that's going to be key, key. Meanwhile, there's the other sister, Martha, She's probably task-oriented, maybe A-type personality, right? She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Oh, man, we've heard big things about this Jesus. He might be the Messiah, and we need to get our house right, and we need to cook up a storm, and everything's got to be perfect, and all these expectations. Well, maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you have company coming over your home today. Maybe you had company, in-laws someplace, and you're like, ah, everything's got to be just like perfect, right? We have these great uh, life group hosts. People are willing, up to, to, willing to open up their home for our life groups. And I'm sure that sometimes there's some stress, right? Let's, let's you know, uh, make sure things are clean, the bathroom and stuff, because we're hosting guests. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Jesus really didn't have anything to say about that, about just being a host. But she was so distracted, preparing, preparing. Could it be that there was something Deeper than just being host and having a clean house? Could it be that she had some expectations in her head that she needed to meet? And more than that, and deeper than that, could it be that these expectations and her performance and how she was going to serve Jesus really was tied into her self-worth and to her value of how she felt about herself or how she looked about herself? See, a lot of things in our life are, are giving us clues or really pointing to what our identity or our worth is. Now, last week, we, we talked about this underneath surface pressure that our identity is not what we do or how we feel with these natural urges, but really it's whose we are, that we can be secure in Christ Jesus. Well, we all are, are kind of grappling to some degree the degree of our self-worth, um, having a hospitable home uh, um, makes a difference, especially for, for women. I remember I learned this lesson some years ago when we first got married, we got into ministry, and, 
and uh, I, I would be notorious for meeting someone, or like, let's say after church, we just like, hey, you want to go over to our house, man? We'll find some food. Come on over, right? And I'd look at my wife, Terry, I was like, hey, Billy and Sue are, are, are coming over, and she'd give me that look. Like, are you kidding me? I'd say, hey, right? So they'd come on over, and we'd put it together. About the time they, they left, you know, I'd, got, I'd get another look right? What were you thinking? I mean, what's wrong? I said, hey, we just love people. You know, they don't care if we don't have food. We'll just order pizza. Well, I said, she says, yeah, it matters to me. I was like, well, what's, what's your problem, right? And she, she says, you know, do you think you got a problem when people come into your church? Would you be okay if things were just kind of disorganized, it was not prepped, it wasn't clean? Are, are you cool with that, Jim? And I was like, well, now think about it. I'm not, no. I, I, I want to put our best foot forward when people come. I want to look nice. It's really representing Christ and stuff like that. She says, yeah, because that's important to you because the church a lot of times um, uh, comes back to you and your identity. She says, Here, here's the news flash for you. A lot of time in women's life, their home really comes back to their and their identity. And I'd like our home to look a little nicer before we have guests come to us. I was like, yeah, I got that memo. Okay, I'm going to try to remember that. And uh, nowadays I need to uh, consult with him or her before we have some, some guests over. Well, again, we have these expectations, right? These, these pressure, and it's not just women and, and mothers, but everyone, it could be a student, you know, just trying to keep up with the peers, uh, my studies, my, my tests, my appearances. Maybe for guys, you know, did I get a promotion? The other guy's got a promotion. And what kind of house or vehicle? What's my golf game compared to your golf game, right? We, we have these pressures, these, these performances, and so I think what Jesus is going to teach us here is that he notices that Martha's just distraction and her, her wanting to do everything just right really is tying down to her self-worth. And by the way, she's looking at everyone else, and, and she knows everybody else is, is, is trying to keep their house clean because a lot of times it's our performance is where we get our worth. Our, our performance is how we feel about ourselves. And here are these expectations. Now, another layer of this is just that we live in a digital age, and it's very easy to see what everybody else is doing, what everybody, how everyone else is performing, right? And all you have to do is just scroll around, and it's like, oh, wow, they are excelling, and I might not be excelling, and they're driving this or doing this or going there and looking this way, and oh, my, I don't look that way. Before you know it, there's a lie that comes inside of us, that we're, we're less as a human being, we're, we're, we're less uh, uh, our value, and, and it's all about comparing, a comparison trap. It's kind of like uh, moms looking at another mom on social media and seeing what they did for their kids' birthday parties. And wow, look how creative they were. And they had this and went there. And wow, what a super mom. And before you know it, these thoughts are coming in your mind. It's like, well, I can't do that. Uh, man, I, I must be less of a mom. And man, my kid is so unlucky. They have me as a mom because super mom over here and they're doing this. And, and I don't look that way. And, and we have all these messages, right? But is that what God, how God views us and God thinks of us? Steve Cusses has said, God doesn't compare what he created. God doesn't compare what he created, and neither, neither should we. If you have a parent, you say, hey, do you compare your kids a lot? They're like, no. Are they different? Yes. Do you compare them and judge them? No. We love them all the same because they're our children. And, and as we create our own children, that's the way God's heart is. He, he created us, and he's like, I'm not comparing you. 
Uh, some might be super preachers or less of a preacher or super business guy or this, this achiever. And he's like, no, they're all, they're all the same. Relax. I love you. And neither should we. Maybe it's all a lie that just keeps us down and questioning our value and our self-worth. And that person gets to do this and doing that. And I don't. And thus, I'm, I'm less of a person. And I think this is where Jesus is going in this, in this dialogue with Martha. In fact, uh, Martha comes to him, the scriptures tell us, and asks him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. <laughs> now, how many mothers have heard this from their children, right? They're tattling on their sibling. Hey, they're not helping clean the, the, the room, the toys, and all that kind of stuff. Make the, our sister, brothers, help, help, and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus is kind of like, hey, Martha, just kind of chill out, okay? In fact, he responds to her and says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Only, indeed, only one. Points back to Mary. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You are worried about so many things. Why are you worried about so many things? It's not that he scolded her for being a good uh, uh, hostess. and There's nothing wrong with that at all. But he probably knows that Mary is really worried about these expectations. Because her expectations and her image and her performance is tied into her self-worth and how she feels about herself. And this is all underneath the surface that she's dealing with secretly and privately. And so he tries to instruct her, hey, only a few things are needed. He says, only one. Now, the, the scholars doesn't tell us, or nor does Jesus really elaborate only one. But probably the one that, that is there is him. You only need me. Okay, I'm, I'm right in front of you. I, I know you got all these other performance expectations that you need to achieve. You only need me, okay? And, and then we notice that he points to Mary. She has chosen the better. It's not that these are evil and wrong. We, we need to do what we need to do, right? But at the same time, he's like, this is the better one. What is she doing? She's at his feet listening, listening. And I, I would submit to you the secret of dealing with below the pressure of identity and esteem is when we l learn, when we sit at Jesus' feet, that's what we're going to learn where our worth comes from. That's going to where we're going to learn what our value is. Now, it is obvious and true that, that Jesus is not here today sitting at his feet, right? But we can sit at his feet when it comes to his word, uh, the Bible, because it is the word, his voice, his father's voice coming together to remind us of the principles and the truths of who we are in Christ Jesus. See, the world is constantly going to tell us that your worth and your values are going to come from your performance, meeting expectations, your accomplishments, and be sure to be compare each other's for where you stack up in the world. But God's word his Bible is going to point us to, to truths and nuggets that help us remind us who we are. And today, as we sit in Christ's feet and we open up the word of God, let me remind you of some of the truths that are in his word that, that affects your below-the-surface esteem and how you feel about yourself. Number one is that God loves you. Now, if you kind of grew up in church, you've heard this a zillion times. God loves you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only beloved son, right? 
We've heard that, but have we embraced that when it connects to our value and our self-worth and our, our security and joy? Because he died for you, and, and God didn't go through all that agony on the cross to die for junk. He pursued you. He loved you. He's like, I'm, I'm willing to take your pain and your, your sin on the cross because I value you. And that's just to discard you and think you're junk, right? That maybe someone else might think, but no, I think I love you. You're, you are mine. I, I want you. So he went to the cross. We, he talks about this in the Bible. If we open up the Bible, maybe we run into uh, Luke 15. In Luke 15, there's, there's three stories of just the, the value of people. Uh, the first one is the, the lost coin. And, and God does everything he can to find that lost coin. And the second one is the lost sheep. And remember what that that talks about, the shepherd? He leaves the 99 to pursue the one sheep. That's how valuable you are. You are the lost sheep. I am the lost sheep. You matter to God. There's a song we sing once in a while called Reckless Love. God was so reckless. He was so willing, so risky because of your values coming after you. He loves you, right? And then the prodigal son of the father. Can we absorb that? Can we, can we take it to our identity, how we feel about ourselves? One of Jesus' disciples, John, wrote later in one of his epistles or his letter that said, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Did you see that? Do you embrace that love that we should be called children of God? And that is what we are. Exclamation mark. Maybe there's people questioning, well, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about myself. I'm not feeling really good about myself. Do you see it? We are loved by God. Not only that, the word of God sitting at his feet is going to tell us that we are God's children. We, God has adopted you. You know, civilly, if you're adopted into a family, there's something special and legal that happens. You might be from a, a different race or you might grew up differently. But if a family says you're coming to our family, it doesn't matter your race, your, your color, your background. You're, you're now legally, civilly, you're in our family. You take our name. You have all the benefits. Uh, you, you have all the, the, our friends or your friends. You're in our family. You are adopted. In other words, positionally, we come into Christ's family, God's family, and that should matter a lot. Now, the world says, man, if you're going to fit in our family, then, then, then you better perform this way. You better look this way. You better act this way, or you're going to be canceled, and we don't love you. And all, But in God's family, I, we love you. You come into our family. You're good to go. And so we have to remember our status, that we are loved and we are adopted. Um, I was reminded of this the other day. I saw a picture of... Um, President Obama and Michelle's daughters, they have two uh, young adult daughters, you know, and uh, I think they're in college these days or something like that. And I thought, wow, can you imagine their status? Can you imagine their position? Uh, and, and can you imagine how they feel about themselves? Why? It's because of who their parents are. When they walk in the room, we say, we know who your dad is. We know who your mom is. And, and because of your parents, man, you, you are special. And I don't think they have to worry about, hey, will we be provided enough money? Are we going to have enough friends? I don't think they're walking around like, oh, I don't know if we're going to be safe and I'm anxious, right? I think probably they have a little tick up on their self-esteem. Why? Because they're Obama, right? Uh, they are loved because of their parents. We have to be reminded that our, our Father in heaven is God Almighty and His Son, Jesus Christ. In Romans 8, they use that term, 
Abba, Father, right? Well, in English, we use the term Daddy. And, and God wants us to have such an intimate relationship with him that we call him Daddy or Abba, Father, right? That, that we trust him and, and we get along with him. And, we gotta, and in that message he talks about, we don't have to be a slave to fear anymore because of Abba, Father. We're positionally adopted in Christ and loved in Christ. Not only that, we also learn when we sit at Jesus' feet and we're opening up the Bible and we're looking through his word that, hey, we are chosen. We've been chosen by God. We've been created by God uniquely. You look in the word of God and Psalms, it talked about how God started weaving us together before we even took our first breath. While we were in the womb of, of our mommies, right, God started uniquely building us and forming us, our personality, our, our wiring, our, our height, our, our color of our eyeballs, our hair, and, and, and he's creating that. We might, I think we have over 7 billion people in this world. Not one human being is exactly alike, right? Because God has the ability to make us all different and unique. Did you know that? If you came in with someone today, you're sitting by someone who is super unique and not exactly like you. So why don't you turn to them and tell them you are unique. Would you do that, right? And some of you are really unique. Some of you are like, yeah, I know that every week, every day you're so unique, right? Now, some, uh, some people are, are built, they're kind of introverts, right? Some are extroverts. Let's hear for the extroverts. Woo, right? Mm -hmm. uh, some are more free-spirited. Some are, are more detail-oriented. Some are adventurous. Some are cautious. Uh, some can handle poopy diapers better than other girls. others. They struggle with that, right? But we're all kind of unique. That's the way God built us because he created us in his image. And by the way, sometimes we have some weaknesses. We have some frailties, right? Uh, sometimes we don't measure up to all those expectations. Sometimes we are impatient. Sometimes we have a bad hair day, right? Sometimes we have an emotional meltdown, right? And we're like, oh, does God still love us? Do we still have value because we've had some frailties and some weaknesses, right? Yes, he does. Uh, a great case uh, example of this is Apostle Paul, right? Apostle Paul was such a, a top-shelf guy. He was always driven, and, and uh, he accomplished a lot and all this kind of stuff. But one day, God allows him to have some imperfections. Uh, one day, God allows him to have some weaknesses and some frailties. And, and uh, Paul described it as a thorn in his flesh. And he prayed, oh, God, oh, God, please relieve me of this problem. Relieve me of this weakness. I got issues. I got this thorn in flesh. And God did not relieve him of his affliction. In fact, he says, you know, I know what God's doing. He's humbling me to help me understand that, that he still loves me and values me, even though I'm weak, right? I'm frail. In fact, we see in 2 Corinthians 12, he, he writes this, that what God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Even though we have weaknesses and maybe we can't do what other people do or we don't uh, uh, perform at that level, whatever, God says, man, my grace is sufficient for you. And a lot of times the Bible, if you open up and sit in his feet, you'll, you'll find these little nuggets of truth to remind you. He's like he, he chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise things of the world or the strong things of the world. Well, I feel like I'm foolish. I feel like I'm, I'm last in line. God said, that's who I want, right? 
You know, in my days, when I was growing up, we'd go to the recess, and the big deal was kickball, right? And they'd take two captains, and you and you pick your, your people. And, and a lot of times, if you were the last one picked, you were just like the loser, right? And internally, under the pressure, you're like, I must be a, a loser. And, and maybe the other popular kids or whatever, like, hey, you're coming to my party, and you're coming to my party, and other people didn't get picked to the party. Here's the good news, my friend, is that God picked, them, picked you for his party. He's like, you're first in line with me. Come on. Well, I got frailties. I can't kick the ball as hard. I, I'm not as pretty. Yeah, that's right. My grace is sufficient for you. I'm choosing you. I'm adopting you. I've loved you and proved it on the cross. See, we can, we can lean into what the world tells us, what our worth is and our value is, or we can sit at Christ's feet and say, can you remind me again, what is my worth? What is the truth rather than the lies of the world? And before we know it, we learn this, that your worth is found in his presence, not your performance. That our worth is found in being with him, being our father, not so much of our performance and all these expectations that we have to meet. Now, here's, here's what we learn from the scriptures, that there's a difference between Mary and Martha. This is what Jesus is pointing out. The difference between Mary and Martha is that Mary paused. Mary took the time to say, man, I, I, I know we got to do all these things and we need to be hospitable, and, but I'm going to slow down and I'm just going to lean in to Jesus right here. See, a lot of times this, this expectations of performance, we got to be super mom, we got to be super dad, we got to do all these things, keep up with everybody. It distracts us from the greatest things and that is who Christ is and who he is in our life. Now, let's face it, let's be honest, that takes time. And we live in a very fast-paced, high-demanding world. And to slow down and just listen and spend some time in the Word or the Bible takes some time. And the the last people that have the least amount of time is young mothers especially, right? I I mean, the kids are toddlers and babies need to be changed, et cetera. I mean, a lot of times mothers don't even have time to go to the bathroom. There's some two-year-old banging on the door, mommy, mommy, mommy. And the mother's like, man, you want me to have a devotional life, right? I'm just trying to keep my kids fed, right? My sanity, right? But we got to realize that this is where, uh, where we get our esteem, uh, what, how we can address underneath the pressure of um, our worth and our value. It's not from the performances. It's sitting at Jesus' feet. So if this is true, how will we practice sitting at Jesus' feet? When are we going to spend time to remind ourselves what is our truth? What is our worth, right? To build joy and, and love in our life that we can pass that on. So probably the greater question is, will you spend time with Jesus this week? Will you spend time? I know the boss has expectations. I know your kids have expectations. I know your friends have expectations for you, right? But when are you going to say, man, I I need to slow down. I need to carve out time to be with Jesus, to feed my mind, to feed my soul of the truths of who I am. What are those reminders in my life? Because every time I'm scrolling, I'm comparing, and I feel like I don't measure up. I'm going to go back to the truth, sit at Jesus' feet. I was inspired through a couple people in our life group. They have, we talked about, hey, how do, how do we stay connected with this Abba Father and our, our life? And one person says, you know, the best place I can find time with God is when I'm in the car by myself commuting. 
Uh, that's the only time I'm alone. Uh, so I can hear God. I can talk to God. I can be real with God in that community. I thought, man, that's a great, great idea, right? Another person was telling me, well, uh, sometimes I take the bus to commute downtown. And on the bus, I'm not driving. I'm sitting there. I put my earphones on. I can open up my Bible app on my phone, the, the version app, right? I'm reading the word of God, spending some time with God, maybe some music on. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's a great idea. These are examples of sitting at Jesus. Jesus' feet. You know, we here at Faithbrook, we really push the YouVersion Bible app. It's just like awesome, right? You can personalize it so you can get in there on Bible plans and hit the discovery uh, little button, right? And let's say type in self-esteem. And there will be three or four Bible plans that will come with some devotions. And just right there will help you get right into the scriptures that remind us of where we're at. So we don't have to be so insecure underneath the pressure. We don't have to walk around with our head down. We don't have to worry about, man, is that going to please everybody and make everybody happy. No, I only need to please one person. That's Christ, the one thing that Mary was discovering. May I suggest a couple of the supplements? There's some podcasts out there. Find a godly biblical podcast, maybe some books. There's a lot of wonderful books out there. Maybe 20 years ago, an author named Joanna Weaver wrote the book, Having a Mary's Heart in a Martha's World. Amen, right? Uh, so there's all these, these supplements and helps, even Sunday mornings. Just when you come and, and you've been going crazy all week and there's been bombardments and disappointments and expectations, you come and it's like, okay, that's right. That song reminds me of who I am in Christ Jesus. Maybe there's a friend that said, man, you're accepted here. I love you. A welcoming environment. Uh, maybe during the week. Say, man, I need to get on the treadmill. I need to clean the house. Well, pop in an earbud. Pop, on, pop open a, a, the scriptures and let the scriptures audibly uh, teach you. Uh, or worship music. And, and you're like, yes, that's right. I needed to hear that. Thank you, Jesus. You're at God's feet. Uh, and, 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 so, and maybe you need to make reminders. Uh, for example, I might um, find a phrase or a scripture that I might write it down on a note card, place it on my dresser or on my mirror. Sometimes I put it on my phone to remind me. Now, what is that what I need to be reminded? Because a lot of times there's these expectations that are put on me, put on you. And when we don't meet them, all of a sudden we're like, well, uh, then, then I'm not that type. I'm not a, uh, a decent person and, and I must be a loser and lousy. No, I'm a child of God. I've been loved by God. He died for me. I'm in his family. He chose me and good or bad. He made me unique and who I am and made you unique who you are. Let's live life to the fullest. That our worth is found in his presence at his feet, not in all these performance or expectations. You know, I thought it was interesting that I don't know how many years ago, uh, a song came out by Lauren Daigle that was just a top hit. I mean, it stayed on the Christian number one for many weeks, many months. It's called You Say. Maybe you've heard it before. And um, one day, I remember I was channel surfing or something, and on a secular station, I heard her song, You Say. I thought, what? What, what? what is Lauren Daigle doing over here on a secular station? And, and is they turning Christian or what? You know, and, and it's like, wow, what, what's going on? What's going on? Why is this song you say so popular? Well, it doesn't matter if you're, you're a Christian or a non-Christian. I would submit to you that everyone below the surface is struggling who their, where their worth is. Do they count? Are they important to somebody 
Uh, where do they get that? And all of a sudden, she really nails it when she came out with this song. The, the verse goes like this. I keep fighting, fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. You ever been there before? Every single lie that tells me I'll never measure up. Am I more than just a sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. Jesus knew that Martha needed to know. Mary was getting there, sitting at his feet, needing to know and learning who she was in Christ Jesus. That's why Jesus said, Martha, relax. She's chosen the better way. And Laurel Daigle knew it, and she wrote this song. And then in the verse it says, You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I'm falling apart. And when I don't belong, you say I am yours. Yes, because the Bible tells us I'm adopted. The Bible tells us Jesus died on the cross for our sins. The Bible tells us that we were chosen. The Bible tells us that he's like the good shepherd. And if you run into Psalms 23, it'll say, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. I don't have to be worried about meeting everyone's expectations. I'm going to feel good about myself. I don't have to be worried about my performance. If I get an A or B, I'm going to do my best. But you know what? I'm okay with Christ. I'm going to enjoy life. You know what? I'm completely satisfied in Christ, even though I might have some weaknesses, even though I have some, some failures, people might laugh at me. I'm going to enjoy life. I'm okay because you say that you love me. I am yours. And then she ends the, the course this way. I believe, oh, I believe what you say of me. I believe. I think that's what Jesus wanted Mary or Martha to understand, that he loved her no matter how clean her house was, no matter if she met all her expectations, she, he loved her. Let's stand and close in prayer. Gracious God, I'm so grateful that we don't have to pray to a far-off God. We don't have to be shivering in fear that, that we've disappointed you and, and we better make sure that we say all the right words and do the right things. You are an Abba Father who understands our weaknesses. And God, you so loved us and believed in us. So many other people didn't believe of us. So many other people didn't pick us or choose us, but you did. And you came to this world and God, you want us to have an abundant life, a joyful life, a, 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 a secure life that we don't always have to be worried about who we are and our worth and our identity, that our identity and worth comes in you. Help us to see every time we see a cross, God, to remind us of that, that you came and died on the cross, but you don't live there anymore. You can live within our heart. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to prove. We can live whole and free in you. I pray, especially for mothers today, God, if they're under pressure, that they got to just be all things to all people. Just release them. Help them just be loved today in their self-esteem and worth. Doesn't come in from their performance, but comes in the presence of who you are and who you are in them. Help us now as we go and love other people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for viewing us. Thank you for worshiping. Have a great weekend and week in Christ. You're dismissed.